Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. How many are excited to be here tonight? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's, let's open up. If you have your Bibles tonight, open up to the book of Genesis chapter 37. And you know, pastor was preaching just last week, and he was dealing with ch- chapter 37 here in Genesis, and I was, I was saying, oh, don't preach my message, because I had been preparing something. I didn't know when I was going to preach, but this was the message that I had prepared, and, and changed it up a little bit and did some things, but it's, it's right along the same lines of, of, of just believing in God, amen, and just knowing who God really is in our lives, amen. How many can be honest and say that you have gone through some trials and some tribulations this year, amen? Be honest. You know, I'd like to see probably 99% of us in this place with our hands up, amen, because life is real, amen? The devil's real. How many can be honest and say the devil's real? You know, the devil's strategy is, is, is mapped out already. It was mapped out when, when he left heaven. He, he began to, uh, the devil began to, 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 to write down and plan the destruction of your life. Because he has power to do that. And, and I'm going to get to this in a minute. You know, the devil has power. How many, how many know that the devil has power? His spirits, they linger. They, 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 they roam around and they devour those that he can, he can get a hold of, those that are weak-minded, those that are weak-spirited. And he waits the very moment that we fail. It's like a rattlesnake that's bowed back uh, and all he's waiting for you, you don't even see him, but all of a sudden it's whoppa, he's got you. And that's how the devil operates. But I'm going to preach a message tonight that's going to help us understand and know who we are in God. Hallelujah. Amen. So Genesis 37, verse 31 through 34, you can go ahead and put that up there. But, I'm, you know, I want to title this message, Don't Get Stuck in the Pit. Don't get stuck in the pit. I know I just set my glasses down here somewhere and I can't even see them. Lord, have mercy. I'm telling you what, anybody else as old as me in this place that just goes through what I go through? Well, you know what? They'll show up somewhere in my left pocket. Oh, man, there's so much stuff in that pocket I can't see straight. Don't worry about it. I'm going to read. I got a different translation here. You guys read that. I can't see that far. But my translation here, and it says, And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the goat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. How many know right there and there we see that this is a plan? This is a plan of destruction. This is a plan to get a man off of his plan and onto a plan that the enemy is about to take over here, okay? He says, and and they brought it to their father, and they said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it, and he said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. In verse 34, it says, And Jacob rent his clothes, and he put sackcloth upon his loins, and he mourned for his son many days. How many now, you you think of this story, and as we just read this story, we know that the devil's plan here is to distract this man from understanding what is really going on. Many times in our lives, the devil comes at us and shows us a different thing, and, you know, we begin to see things. And how many have ever heard of, of uh, you know, these, these guys that do this crazy stuff like um, David Copperfield and all these different, mus- um, not musicians, what are they? magicians, hallelujah. 
You know, they think that they can just uh, twist everything and make you see something that's there, but it's not really there, amen? So I want to take just a few minutes to help us understand something that's very vital to what we're dealing with in this passage tonight, that the devil has no real power over a child of God. Okay, and I said just a few moments ago that the devil has power over us if we, but I left out the part, if we allow him to do it. Because I want you to know that as children of God, if you're a man or woman of God, where you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ, then you are automatically a son, a daughter of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And in that case, uh, he has, the devil has no real power over you and I as children of God. Now, if you're not saved, uh, then glory to God tonight, uh, you're going to have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. There's never a service in this place where we do not give you an opportunity to accept the Lord as your Savior. Amen? The devil, he only has the ability to intimidate us. He only has the ability to bully us. He only has the ability uh, to show us things in a thing that we call a false illusion. Where the smokes and the mirrors images come up and make us think that we're looking or seeing something rather than what it really is. How many know that when you're battling in life and you're fighting and you're going forward and then you take two or three steps back, it's so easy to stop and say, you know what, I'm being defeated right now. I'm being taken over. It's so easy to just give up and say, all of the circumstances that are ahead of me in life, uh, they're so overbearing and overwhelming that I'm going to have to go through that. Uh, instead of looking at God, we look to the circumstances and they tear us down. See, the main weapon of the devil or his arsenal is called deception. He wants to deceive us. He wants to trick us. He wants to show us uh, something else. Uh, and he deals with this thing called fear. Amen. And his pastor was mentioning an acronym the other night. Um, you know, fear is false evidence appearing to be real. False evidence appearing real. And I want you to write that down if you're taking notes to hold on to it. Uh, because fear is the only weapon that the devil has uh, against you and I since he has no real power over us as men and women of God. Amen? So fear, that's all he can do. And listen, as Christians, I got news for you. We live in fear a lot. We let the devil torment our minds. We let the circumstances of the world come in and distract us from what God wants us to do. I got news for you, church. God, he's, it's easy to serve God. It's easy to serve God. You wake up in the morning and you give what belongs to God first. You get in his word and you, you let his word chew on you for a little bit. We always say, well, I'm going to chew on the word a little bit. But let the word of God chew on you. You'll begin to see God. Uh, he'll gnaw at you. And God will begin to ply you. He'll begin to rub you. and He'll begin to mold you and shape you in a way that you could never do on your own if you would just give him first. It's so easy to serve God. And many times uh, it's such a difficult thing for us to even be saved because we let the devil torment our minds all day long every day. He wants to divert your attention away from what's really happening and get you distracted on the things of the world. Can I get an amen? This is the way he works so, so he can implement his tricks. And when you look back at what you thought was real, it appears to be something different altogether. Amen? You ever been so afraid to go up to something or do something and, and you get there and you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad? Like me, I talk, tell my kids all the time, I'm deathly afraid of, of 
I'm not afraid of heights. I can do any heights. I can walk on a 100-story building on the edge of the building and walk on it like nothing, but I will not get on a roller coaster. I will not get on a Ferris wheel. My father-in-law loves to torment me. He wants me to get on a Ferris wheel over there at that Shields place, and I said, I'm not going to get on that thing. I'm just not going to do it. I'm scared to death of it. But, though, but, you know, and then I think, well, I'll just go over here. Now I got a grandson, so I'm going to be going on these little kitty rides with him, I'm sure. And, you know, it's probably not going to be so bad after all. I built myself up to, to just be afraid and not knowing, what, you know, I'm not getting on the big ones, I'll guarantee you that. His mom and daddy could do that. Well, his daddy ain't doing it. But the rest of the family, they're, they're nuts. Carson ain't doing it either. But fear kicks in, and all of a sudden we're so afraid of something, but when we get to the end of things uh, that we're so afraid of, sometimes we realize there's nothing to be afraid of. It's like when you gave your life to Jesus. Do you remember the day you walked down that aisle? Remember the day that you lifted your hand up and that pastor said, oh, just lift your hand if you want to be saved, and you put your hand up in the air, and he says, okay, now I just need you to come down to this altar. I want to pray for you. You're like, oh, Lord have mercy. I ain't doing that. I'm scared. I ain't going down there. And then, you know, oh, my hand's up. But yeah, now come on down. We want to pray for you. Hand goes down real fast. Because we're afraid. But if you would just realize that, you know, God has something very special for us when we are obedient to him. When we say no to fear, to that false evidence that appears to be so real in our lives. When we say no, then God says, listen, now I've got you exactly where I want you to be. You're not focused on the fear. You're not focused on the problem anymore. You're not focused on the circumstance or the failure, but now you're focused on the victory. Hallelujah. Now you're focused on what God has for you. Glory to God. And you have no reason to have a pity party. All you want to do is shout and give glory to God. You know, I'm, I'm this way everywhere I go. I mean, it's, you know, everybody laughs and teases me. I'm walking like an old guy now with this knee the way it is. But listen, I'm going to get it fixed. I'm not promising nobody nothing, but I'm going to get it fixed. But I'm a holy roller everywhere I go. I share the gospel everywhere I go. I tell people I conflict the conflicted everywhere I go. I have been called to it. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to stop. Amen. So that's what Satan specializes in. Making something that's not real appear to be real in our lives. How many can be honest and say that he's already done that to you sometime this year? He's already showed us things that made us afraid, making you think something is there that is not really there. Making you feel like a, a circumstance is so bad that you'll never, ever be able to overcome it. Or, or taking a real situation and through falsehood and deception, making it appear to be something that it's really not. Amen? Colossians 2.15, it says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Powerful scripture. Romans chapter 6, verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah. So what is dominion? Dominion is to exercise lordship over. You have dominion and you have power over, oh, I'll tell you what, over every enemy on this earth. When you're saved, when you're dealing, walking with God, you have dominion and power to have control over every circumstance in your life. Amen. That make a mummy want to shout. I'm telling you what, I don't hear nobody hardly amen in this one. Amen. Glory to God. 
Sarah got it, amen? Matthew 6, 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You see, if you and I will serve God, we have the dominion and the power over sin. You say, you mean I'll never sin again? I didn't say you'll never sin again. I didn't say you'll never battle things again. I, never, I didn't say that you won't have struggles or trials or tribulations or bad thoughts in your mind. I didn't say that. But what I did say that you'll have power over sin. Glory to God. That means when you're in the middle of the sin or, or when you're planning the sin, uh, you automatically say, you know what, devil, I have power and I have authority over that. I'm not going to do it. I walked up to a guy one day. I said, oh, you've been drinking. He went out drinking last night. This was in church. He said, how did you know, pastor? I said, are you serious? Are you serious? You don't know how I know that you were out drinking last night? I mean, I can smell it on your breath. It's not very hard to tell what somebody's going through in their life. Uh, sometimes we run to the bottle. I was telling the story how we were in Phoenix uh, last week, and we went to this other church just to experience something. And we go in, and the pastor's up there on the screen telling everybody it's okay to drink. He says, oh, it's all right. Just do it in moderation. Be careful. And let's be extra careful because we're really going through things this time of year. And, you know, basically it's an excuse to just go out and just live your life like the devil. What an opportunity it would have been for that man to stand up and tell that congregation of 20,000 people that we don't drink, hallelujah, that we take a stance against it, that we rise up against that strategy that, de that the devil has uh, to destroy our life. But some churches are afraid to lose people. Some churches are afraid to talk about hell and heaven issues. And some churches are so afraid to talk about what's right and what's wrong. But I'm going to tell you something right here in this church. We are going to preach the unadulterated word of God, the truth. Hallelujah. We don't take from this Bible. We don't add to this Bible. We preach it and we live it. Glory to God. You have power and you have authority over sin in your life. Luke chapter 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I told the story when I went to Africa with Pastor Jones. We went in that place. It was during the COVID season. And man, I'll tell you what, they was poking needles in people and, and swabbing things. I'm telling you what, we walked into one of these clinics and Pastor Jones told that lady that was getting ready to put that big old thing up his nostril. She said, he said, give me that. And he did it himself, and he just, he just wiped the outside of his nose. She says, sir, that's not how we do it. He says, no, that's how I did it in the name of Jesus. Now take this and, and let me pass. I'm going to preach the gospel. So I said, give me one of those things. And I did the same exact thing, and I handed it back to her. Listen, you got to be bold to be in the kingdom of God. You got to be bold, but somebody gave us, uh, this Pastor Jones gave him, they gave Pastor Jones this verse, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions uh, and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said that we are going to, the, the man that gave this word to Pastor Jones said, you guys are going to walk into victory and God's going to open up the doors for you and God's going to do this. Uh, you're not going to have any problems with your baggage, uh, no plane delays, uh, everything is going to go fine. And this was, like I said, this is in the middle of COVID. Everybody was getting pulled out. Everybody was getting kicked out. Everybody was getting shifted and moved around. 
We walked in that place. We couldn't even get off the airplane without the, 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 the intelligent government people that were involved. We don't even know who, where they came from or who they were. And they came up and they said, uh, Mr. Jones, come on, we got to, we, we got to get you where you got to go. We're thinking, man, what's going on here? They came, grabbed our bags, uh, and Pastor Jones said, let's go, follow me. We're just walking as fast as you can walk. And, and they're taking us right to the counter to stamp our passports. The diplomats are coming, and, they, and he's sitting there fighting with the lady behind the counter, and he says, listen, he says, we've got to get these people stamped, uh, and they got to go. This man is here to preach to thousands of people. He began to share. He said, they're here to minister the gospel. Open up these doors. And the lady said, no. And she shoved the paperwork right back underneath that. He shoved them back. He reached in there, grabbed the stamp, and he stamped the passports and the paperwork, and we took off running. I'm not talking about just one person. They were coming like cockroaches all over the place. They were coming to help us and take us where we needed to go. The line that we got out on the, on the tarmac, and we were out on the airplane, and we got off the plane, and we were going to walk like three miles, it seemed like, to the airport. Or to the bus they were bringing to get us. And they came right to us from, we were at the very back of the line. They came, a guy stood up and said, hey, he said, Papa, Papa Jones, come on. And they went all the way back there and got us and took us through that line like it was nothing. You think you get that favor when you're serving the devil? You think you have that kind of favor in your life? Uh, oh, I'll tell you what, the devil says, oh, I'm going to make it look good. But then I'm going to get you to the front counter and you're in trouble when you get there. Isn't that how it is? Oh, we give in to sin, and oh, we, we, we limp risk through life, and we get to the very end of things. We think that we did get, a, get take advantage of somebody, but all of a sudden, we get to the point where the devil steps in and says, ha, I got you now because you're serving me. You're not serving God. Amen? How many know that when you serve God, man, the devil, he's, he's after you. He don't want you to serve God. He doesn't want you to serve the Lord. He wants you to, to, to buck him. He wants you to, he wants you to buck God and fight against God so that he can run and control your life. Listen, the devil, he has no way to hurt us. He has no way to, to destroy you, but his goal is to make you and I destroy ourselves. That's what his plan is for our life. He wants to hurt us. He wants to destroy us. Okay, and listen, it's so important that, you know, we understand this. His goal is to take something that's not real and convince you that it's real. That's what he wants. That's like this time of year. You pull out a $100 bill to pay for something. They are going to put a light on it. They're going to put three or four pins on it. They're going to put it through a machine because they want to make sure that it's real. Why? Because there are so many people this time of year spending fake $100 bills. Be careful who you get a $100 bill from these days. Amen? Take something that's not real, convince you that it's real, and cause you to act on a false assumption. That's what the devil's plan. And see, if he can get us to, or cause you to believe a lie, then you'll destroy yourself. If he can get you to believe well, what the devil's trying to do, he'll, he'll get you to a place where you'll destroy yourself. You will give up on your hopes. You're going to give up on your dreams. You're going to give up on your vision, your promise from God, and you will walk away grieving in your life. You'll walk away miserable and never realize that you're acting on a lie, on something that's not even true, on something that's not even going to happen. 
Let me tell you something. You are going to have a good holiday season. Glory to God. You're going to have a good Christmas day. Glory to God. It's not about how many presents you can put under the trees. It's not about how pretty your tree is, how gorgeous the lights are on the outside. Listen, if you can't afford it, the most important thing that you can do is make God number one on Christmas day. Hallelujah. It's all about him. It's not about us. It's not about the gifts. It's not about all those things. Because if it is, then God, the devil is going to use all of that stuff, the things that we love, the things that we want to do. And there's nothing wrong with getting gifts. There's nothing wrong with giving gifts. Amen? Nothing wrong with it at all. But don't put yourself in debt just to look good. I had a guy in our high school reunion. I went several years ago, got in trouble, got kicked out because we preached to everybody. He shows up in the, in, in the fanciest car you could ever rent. It was beyond a Lamborghini. I don't even know what this car was, man. This guy looked like, I mean, he had a, a silver suit on. He got out looking like he was something. Everybody's thinking, man, this guy really made it big. I mean, this dude was walking smooth, man. He had two or three girls in the back. And, you know, he was a happy dude. And the whole world's thinking, man, this guy has it made. And I got to thinking about this guy as I was going over my notes today, and I thought of this guy, and I said, you know what? This guy made everybody around him make, feel like he was wealthy, like he was on top of the world, like he was the best of the best, and who wouldn't want to be with this guy with all that money that he has or portrays to have? Guess who picked him up at the end of the night? The police. Yeah, he stole the car. He stole the car. The clothes were not even his on his back. He showed up thinking that he was somebody great. Oh, he was going to impress everybody in the whole place. But boy, I'll tell you what it was. It was a pleasure for me to see this man get hauled off in the back of a squad car at the end of the day. All that did was give me good preaching material. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, I don't want what the world has to offer me if I have to put God aside for it. Amen. I want to know what, I, what I'm going to get, where I'm headed to. Uh, just like I said, Christmas is not about the gifts. And I'm a giver. I love to give. I love to, I love to receive. I love all that stuff. I love it. It just makes me happy to give to people. But Christmas is not about that. Christmas is not about uh, uh, just uh, looking good and, and be, having the best of everything. It's not about that. You know what it does? It creates debt. It creates depression, uh, oppression. You'll be bound uh, to paying off your bills for the next 20 years trying to get caught up on life. It's not worth it. And that's exactly what happened to Jacob in our passage today. Joseph's brothers had thrown him in this pit. And I named this title that because here they threw him in this pit. They sold him into slavery. Many of you and I today in this place, we are stuck in a pit. We've been thrown in the pit. Maybe we've jumped in the pit. Maybe, maybe we've been pressured to get into the pit. Maybe, you know, we're hiding from something. Maybe we're afraid of something and we're in the pit. This pit created a false illusion. Because here it says that they, here, they, they throw him in a pit, sold him in slavery, and essentially they rid themselves of the problem of having a younger brother that was so much more highly favored than they were. But one problem remains, what are they going to tell their father? What's going to happen now? Now they have to come to their daddy. And, and the, notice their, their tactics here. They dip their brother's distinctive coat into the blood of an animal, and they bring it back to their dad. And, and notice what, what, he said, what they said here. He said, here is a coat that we found. 
We read it in the scripture. We don't know if it's your son's or not. Only you know if it is. Well, how many know you're going to recognize your father, your, your children's clothes? You're going to recognize what belongs to you. You're going to do that. And here he says, this is what Jacob responded. He says, I knew it. He says he knew it. And said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast had devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. So here in his father's mind, he's thinking, my son has been devoured. My son has been taken out. My son is bloody. My son has been killed. But listen, notice the power of the optical illusion in this story. The enemy here is Jacob, okay, which in this case were his sons, or the enemies of Jacob were his sons. They came and they presented false evidence appearing real, and Jacob made his own assumption. So what we need to understand today is false assumptions, uh, here, here they are, but, but, but to him, they were very real. It was a false assumption. It was not the truth, uh, but to him, it was so real because he knew the coat. Are you with me? The evidence was incorrect, but it was real enough uh, to Jacob to make him respond with defeat, and he rent his clothes and mourned. You can read more on the story later. There's a whole lot of that book, and Pastor talked a little bit about some of it the other day as well. But if someone could have gotten to Jacob, I believe, I know you believe that they would have told him, Jacob, it's not what it looks like. Jacob, please understand me. Yes, it's bloody. Yes, it is the jacket, but that is not your son's blood. That's like when pastor gets up here or when I get up and I'm ministering to you and we're telling you, listen, there's hope for your marriage. Quit being selfish. Serve one another. Love one another. Look into each other's face and say, I love you. Acknowledge that you have a husband. Acknowledge you have a wife. It's important. But no, we always go to this optical illusion in life and we think it's just going to fix itself. Here he is, if somebody could have just got to him. He said, Jacob, oh, Jacob, it's not what it seems to be. It's not what it seems to be. Your promise is not dead, Jacob. It's, the process. it's in the process. I said it's in the process of being fulfilled so it can save your life later. If someone could have showed up and said, your dream, it's not over. It's just beginning. Your call of God on your life is not over. It's just beginning. It's just getting started. Oh, well, I don't know the word of God. I don't understand it. I can't, I can't preach. I can't do this. I can't do that. Listen, if you put yourself in the things of God, God will do the work. Hallelujah. All you have to do is be obedient. Watch and see what he does. Your dream is not over. It's just beginning. What God has promised you is not dead. It's alive. That's, that's one of my favorite statements. You'll hear me say it all the time. The promises of God are not dead. They are still alive. I tell myself when I'm acting stupid, when I'm acting nutty, when I'm thinking bad thoughts and I'm thinking, man, I'm just not doing this and I'm not doing, you know, we all beat ourselves up. I know I do. There's times I'm walking down the street and I'm like, man, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? What, why are you wasting time? Be productive. Do this. Do that. And my mind is constantly telling me to do things. We beat ourselves up and we feel so unworthy. Especially if you are at a point in your life where things are happening in your life. 
where the devil's destroying things and where the devil's lying to you, making you feel so unworthy in your marriage or in your job place or, or anything in life where, where you really feel like, you know, I'm being attacked by the enemy and I feel like I'm getting I'm, what I'm hearing is real. Amen? And, and in this very moment, uh, we got to understand that his plan, his promise is real and is still alive. Don't let, your en- don't let the enemy or the enemy of your life uh, make you jump to conclusions in your life. Stand uh, on the promises of God or the promises that God has given you because it's not over. Stand on those promises. Believe in those things that God has promised. It's not what it looks like. It's false evidence uh, appearing to be real, but God uh, has not given us uh, the spirit of fear, hallelujah, but of power and love uh, and a sound mind. Glory to God. We have power. We have authority in our lives. It's an illusion. Number two, Satan's desires to get our attention off of what's really happening and make us believe what's not real. I know I'm beating this with a dead horse, but listen, we need to get this today. This is such a true statement that, you know what, we need to understand that it's something that's not real. And Jesus called Peter out of the boat to walk on the water with him. Do you remember the story? Here he calls Peter out, and, you know, it's a big old thing. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was all right. As long as he focused on Jesus, he was good, but something distracted him. Uh, maybe it was the, the criticism on the boat or all the men that were hanging out together. Maybe it was the wind that was coming off the waters uh, and pounding that boat, and things are happening, and he's being distracted. And here he is, and he's, he's doing this. Maybe it was, it was dousing the water, just hitting him hard, but something happened to destroy his focus on God himself. Something happened. He took his eyes off of the master, and suddenly, as though for the first time he began to watch the storm, uh, he saw the wind. Uh, He was able to focus on what was really happening out there, and it distracted his mind. It brought him down. It made him feel like a failure, like I'm supposed to be better than this, but I'm not. And when you're in the moment of just doing thinking and thinking and thinking to fix something, you're in a very dangerous place. Because we cannot fix things alone. It's not what it looks like. David came to the valley. We know the story of, of Elah one day to bring food to his brothers. He brings this food in. And now by the time David arrives on the scene, Goliath had already, and my grandson was going to do this with me, but he didn't get a nap today. So I wasn't about to bring him out here right now. But how many have ever seen Briar in here just swinging this thing? Oh, there's my glasses right there, Peter. You were right. glasses hallelujah well i'm gonna set them right here peter you watching me all right i'm gonna set them right there my grandson gets this thing out briar he's the most amazing young man i've ever seen in my whole life he teaches me stuff every day and this young man i'm I'm not about to bring him out here because he'll have cause you to have an optical illusion in just a few minutes because he's tired amen but that boy will get this thing and he'll be like this you know i'm telling you this story about david And I'm telling you about this story, how in this particular passage of Scripture, and I'm not going to finish my sermon, but I want to get through this part uh, that, you know, here here, here these these Philistines are out there, and they're scared to death of this giant. His voice is booming. He's he's out there. He's he's destroying the land. And and you know the story. They they all come out, and they're watching him, and they're, they're looking out on the horizon. They see this big man, and how many know that fear kicks in and begins to work in the life of people? I mean, I was in the store the other day, and I saw a woman. She was probably six foot ten, and I looked at her. I was intimidated by this woman. 
because she was huge. She was big. And now I didn't go up to her and say, you're big, because you don't say that to a woman, amen? I learned that back in 19, 1987. I got beat up by a woman because I said that. But I didn't mean it. It was an optical illusion. Just kidding. Something happened where the focus was changed. David was a little boy who had faith. David was a little boy who knew who God was. And I thought of the little innocence of Briar. Here Briar walks through here he, during song practice and during worship. He's in here and he's standing here. He says, he says, soy, soy David. Yo soy David. He goes, Papa, you Goliath. You are Goliath. And he wants me to fall. And he goes like this. And I'm telling you what, he's got this down. He goes, boom. He goes like that. And I fall and I hit the ground. He walks over to me and he puts his leg on me. He says, you know, you're defeated. I got you. You know, that's exactly what we need to have in our own lives with God. When we think of this story of David, yeah, we understand all the things that are going on in this Bible passage. And, and you, know, you know, the fear of this giant coming into this land and, and, and causing these people to be afraid and, and not wondering what's going to happen next and they're all going to die. And this giant, who's going to destroy him? And David comes out with the power of God in him. I said he comes out with the power of God in him, not afraid of a big man, not, a, not afraid of a big woman. He's not afraid of anything because he has the spirit of God in him. He has power and authority in his life. But you have to take dominion. Dominion, you take power. You take the authority that God has already given us. And you trample on those serpents and scorpions, hallelujah. And you take, you, you defeat the enemy and you cast them out. Uh, you take authority over those things in your life. And all of a sudden you begin to see the story of how David defeats this giant uh, and how David was so favored by God. Listen, do you think that David was always favored in every area of his life? Can you imagine as, as David's brothers are being chosen above him and he doesn't even realize what's going on? But you can imagine as he stands there before his family and they're laughing at him and he's a nobody. Like you and I at times were a nobody just standing there and the whole world's accusing us of, us, uh, of being nobodies and, and all of a sudden the king says, wait a minute, you got anybody else in this family that can do something? Well, I do have a little 17-year-old boy down the road here. You know, some of you 17, 18-year-old boys, 15, 13, 14-year-old boys, listen, you ought to rise up and start becoming who God has called you to be. Hallelujah. Because God is just getting started with you. God is just starting to do in you what he has planned for your future. Glory to God. You need to be praying for your wife today. You say, I don't have a wife. Well, pray for her anyways. God will bring that woman in. People ask me all the time, Pastor, you mind if I date this person or that one? I said, does she come to our church? No, not really. No, then why do you want to date somebody that doesn't come to the church? Why you want to date an uncircumcised Philistine? Why you want to go off into the world and bring some? Well, I'll get her saved and bring her into church. You go ahead and try it. You go ahead and try it. It's tough. It's tough. Now, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I remember when I walked into the church and I was starting to date my wife years ago. Man, this was a long time ago. I walked in there and I had every eyeball in that church staring at me. They were looking at me like I was doing something wrong all the time. And I said, what's the problem? What's going on here? They said, you know what? You're dating Pastor Jones's daughter. What did you expect? You're not going to just walk in this place. And the very first sermon I heard Pastor Jones say, you're not just going to walk in this place and take our princesses out of here. 
I said, well, I done walked in, but <laughs> I guess I ain't going nowhere with nobody. But there were some rules I had to follow. There were some things in life that I had to follow, but I had to understand that before I could begin to see God do what he was going to do in my life, I had to be obedient and walk with him and learn and understand what God was trying to do in my life. You think David just wanted to go out there and kill that giant? No, David understood the realm of things. He understood the big picture. He knew already what God was doing in his life. God had already promised him many things. And God had already showed him that he was the anointed one. Hallelujah. That he was the one that was going to be blessed. And he was the one that God was going to use to destroy that giant. And that little boy just walked out there like it was nothing. I'm just going to come out there. Boom. Gone. You see, sometimes we face a battle. And guess what we do? We do the opposite. We run. We run away from it. We're so afraid to face the battle. Maybe somebody's offended you. Maybe somebody said something to you that's hurt your feelings, and and, and you've been holding on to that for a long time. You know, the best medicine that you could ever have or take in that situation is to go to that person and say, listen, I want to humble myself, and I want to talk to you about what's bothering me. It would blow your mind how God will heal that type of a situation in your life. But we have to see it. We have to know it. You have to know who you are in God. You see, the devil's going to put an optical illusion before your eyes. He's going to make you feel like you're a nobody in the kingdom of God. I got news for you. If you're in this church and you go through our procedures of serving in ministry, we will use you in this place. You say, well, I ain't been used yet. Well, you haven't, you haven't really you showed us that you want to work. You want to serve the Lord. But we're here to serve. We're here to work. We're here to to do God's will in this place. Hallelujah. We're here to, I told somebody today, I said, we don't just come to church uh, just just to pass time. I said, we come to church because, I was telling one of my sons today, I think it was Braden. I said, we come to church so we can fellowship together, so that we can worship our God together. I said, we come to church so that we can learn God's word. We're not demanded to, you know, it's not a demand thing. Yes, we reach out to you and say, where you been? Why haven't you been here? You know, we're worried about you. Be thankful if we reach out to you. Be appreciative. We're not controlling your life. We want you to know that we love you and we understand what happens. We understand the optical illusion when you're not where you need to be in the things of God. Because everything, you could be over here and everything seems to be fine. But when you come to where you need to be, it's where you face the battlefield. When you get to that place of comfort, it's like that's where all the problems. Think about it in your marriage. Where do you fight most? Do you fight at home? Most of the time you go off to your room and you're mad and you start spitting fire and you're mad. But you're in your own private place. Some just don't have cooth, and they fight everywhere they go. Some even fight in the middle of the street. (laughs) I love to tease. I'm sorry. I do love to tease. But, you know, God's plan is for us to serve him. His plan is for us to do his will and to love him. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, if I could. You know, you and I tonight... need to understand something very important. It's the job of the enemy to get us to focus on the problem. 
the current circumstances, the lack of money in the bank that you have right now. Oh, the devil, he's burning, he's burning up your mind right now. Oh, man, there's not enough. Don't you, th- don't you think just because somebody owns a business or makes decent money that they don't ever have those same feelings? It's, it's every day for all of us. The lack of spiritual hunger that's on behalf of our families right now. He doesn't want us to focus on the fact that our children, or he wants us to focus on the fact of our children being lost. Sick bodies in this place. There's no food in the pantry. All of these negative things, these are the things that the devil wants you and I to focus on. And I know for sure that those are very real issues in our lives. They're they're real. And the evidence appears to be real. Can't change the circumstances. I mean, an empty pantry is an empty pantry. The circumstances appear to be very tangible. Discouragement, depression, lack of faith begin to set in because we can't see the answer on our own. We can't understand it. We can't see the natural solution, so we think about giving up and just giving in. Well, maybe I'll have to just go out and do what I used to do just so I can make a living or, you know, i got to do this. See, we can't figure out the answer to the problem through our own complex thought process. So we're tempted to lose hope. But tonight and today I prayed, I said, Lord, I pray that God will open the eyes of his people in our spirits tonight to hear this word, to know that even though we're going through things, even though there's trials, even though there's, there's things that are happening and some are pressing, some are hard, I understand that. We're praying for you. We're believing God for your miracle. I want you to know something. You're not going under. You're going over. Another one of my very favorite sayings, you're, you're, not, the, you're not the tail, you're the head. You're in charge. When you walk with God, you are in charge. You have a right. You have the authority to, to march and stand strong for the things of God. All over this place tonight, you're here. You say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I have not given my life to Jesus Christ, and I want to be saved. If that's you, I want you just to lift your hand up right now. Put it up. Put it right back down. I want to pray for you. This is, I had a guy call me today. He says, you know, I got some questions for you. I want to ask you some questions. And, and, and I'm just reading a book, he said, and I'm, I'm really concerned, and I just want to hear your opinion on it. You do know the spirits are real. You'll, you'll really sense it around Halloween time where those evil spirits will attack and things will come up and all throughout life. Th- these spirits, the demonic realm, the strategies of, of the devil are real. And if we don't have power and dominion and authority over those things, then guess what? The devil's marching on us. We're not marching on him. We need to take authority. How many all over this place? Left to right, front to back. Lift your hand. You say, I want to be saved tonight. Just put it up and put it right back down. I want to pray for you tonight. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. I see this hand. Come on. Yes, let's all stand up to our feet. Praise the Lord. Young lady in the back, I know you just put it up there. I want to pray for you if I can. Can I? 
Will you come down here? Let me pray for you. You bring your friend with you, your sister with you. Come on. Come with her. There we go. Praise God. Come on. It's okay. God bless you. How are you? Yes, I remember you, of course. God bless you. Best decision you ever made. You did this one on your own. God's going to help you. He's going to help you get through it. You know, God brings us through things in life, trials, circumstances. Growing up in a home, sometimes not wondering. I mean, wondering what we're doing, why we're going to church, why we're this, why we're that. You get to an age of accountability where God really begins to speak. And God really begins to deal with your spirit. And that's where you're at today. And I want you to know you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Let's pray, okay? Church, repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I invite you into my life to be my personal Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, all of my shortcomings. From this day forward, I will serve you with my whole heart. Lord, I pray you help me be accountable to somebody. Lord, help me to be faithful to the house of God. I thank you for saving me. I ask you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for receiving me as your child. Thank you for giving me authority and dominion to tread over serpents and scorpions, for giving me power to dominate sin in my life. And I stand with you today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.